Okay, we are back. That scene, that song. And I'm honored to have a first. We have Gaia Weiss, who has never been on a podcast before, which I almost don't believe, but she told me, so I will accept it. Hi, Gaia, how are you? Hello. It's an honor to be to have this conversation with you. Wonderful, wonderful. We're going to have a casual but uh, purposeful conversation today about your journey uh, in being a creator, uh, an actor in, in a very interesting age to be a creative. And wanted to really start with how and when you realized that you wanted to have a theatrical um, and or acting calling as a, as a, as a, as a professional. So I think it was an accumulation of things. Um, I started with ballet when I was four. I see. Four. Uh, four years old. Um, okay. It just happened. You know, I think life is about seizing opportunities. And uh, I think I, I followed that since the age of four, five. And um, I, I loved the feeling of being on stage. I was on stage. Um, I was organizing little shows for my parents, for the friends. At home? Or At home, amazing. yeah. And um, when I was 14 years old, so I then I did a lot of different things. I was still, ballet was the main thing because I really wanted to be a ballerina for a okay. long time. But I started doing uh, drama class, taking drama classes when I was seven. Okay. And a bit of singing, everything, because I I didn't realize it yet. But are these are these any? I have to ask. Are these inf influences from your parents, or did you decide song, dance, acting? I mean, did all those things just come to you? Yeah, it, for me, it was a hobby. It was for theater was because a theater company had come to my primary school, and uh, they did a workshop, and we had to write our own characters and be on stage on stage. And I loved it so much that I asked my parents if I could continue taking okay. drama classes, acting classes. Um, and um, my dad was a photographer, mm -hmm. so he was the artist in the house. But my mom is more of a, an intellectual, and I think she had a more academic life predestined for okay. me. You know, she for wanted, you. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah. yeah. Um, and then at the age of 14, I was told by my choreographer that I didn't have the right body for dance. Gosh, can they, just, can they say that to a 14-year-old? It was really hard Goodness gracious. to hear at that age because, but it's the, you know, when you want to be a professional ballerina, 14 years old is when you professional professionalize yourself. Yeah. Um, Which is a little crazy. It that's is, a, to me, that's a child. Yeah, it is. It is. But you have to take a lot of responsibility quite early on. Okay. Um, because you will either audition for the opera. The, it's already late to go to the Opéra Garnier, for exa mm -hmm. example, in Paris. Uh, or train for the Juilliard or, you know, the New York Ballet mm -hmm. or these schools and um and i realized that i had to it was it was heartbreaking of course but i realized that what i enjoyed the most was being on stage and why because i had seen you know i told you earlier that i was organizing little shows at home mm -hmm. and i i was a child so i didn't understand but you know 
sometimes my parents' friends would come at home feeling sad and I could see the worry on their faces. And after my little show, they would leave with a smile on their faces. You know, they would, would bring them joy and happiness. And I think it came from a place, not really knowing, but it came from a place of sharing joy and laughter and entertaining people yeah. and taking them away from their problems. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I probably didn't, couldn't. No, no, it's a beautiful words. thing. I mean, I just just want to take that in. I mean, as uh, I'm very much an adult now, and I, 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 I certainly understand the slings and arrows of of life. And to have a young person um, create something, I can imagine how that could take them away, even if it's for half an hour, yeah. just to to see the pureness of 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 children creating. Um, but it's quite rare that you you were putting on a production. I mean, that's not who taught you that. You know what? I think my my dad encouraged me. I mean, both of my parents, um, but my dad was the one who, I think, I, I don't know at what age, but he gave me a small theater. Mm-hmm. Um, let me describe it for you. You know these, when you have a puppet show yeah, yeah. and you have like a sort of uh, door, you know, with a hole in the yeah, middle. Yeah. So I think it was his when he was younger. And he gave it to me, and I still have it. Wow! I kept it, and like Punch and Judy. So, do you know what Punch and Judy is? Um, no, it's, it's similar. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. puppet yeah, tree. Puppet yeah, puppet yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and uh, my mom bought me hand puppets, yeah. and I started doing my show. But it was funny because I was including myself in them, so you would see the puppets, but I would be in the middle. Yeah. And I have loads of pictures. And since my dad was a photographer, he was taking a lot of videos and and portraits of me, and so I, I can see it's all. It's quite clear that yeah. no one pushed you into this line. Of work then no No. but it's (laughs) no but it's it's quite funny that it didn't come from a a professional ambition it was just i just fell into it Mm -hmm. um but none of my parents are my my mother is a psychologist and uh, my dad was a photographer so so fast forwarding from from finding as a young person finding out that your first love really uh it was shattered by something you can control. Yeah. Um, fast forward to when you first started working as an actress. How mm. how did it? How did that happen for you? Well, first of all, um, you realise that every experience in life will feed your work as an artist. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're a painter or if you're a singer, or um, even more so if you're an actor, because you live different lives mm-hmm. um, and. Ballet taught me rigor and discipline and that art is hard work. It's not just fun. You know, it comes from a passion and a happy place, but you have to have the discipline and you have to work on your craft every single day, Mm -hmm. even if it's just, you know, living, you know. And I think nowadays a lot of young actors forget to live you know like I hear really young actors coming to me and being like I've done this and I've done that and my Instagram is this and that so this is all good but I'm like in between jobs in between sets live and you hear uh, for example Daniel Day-Lewis who was a shoemaker in Italy this is it in between jobs you need to live in order to feed your part and just experience also have life. something to draw upon exactly right mm-hmm. um so i guess 
you, but you realize that when? Because that sounds like a very wise thing. I mean, I, I'm presuming you didn't think that way when you were 19, 20. No. So I started working when I was 19. Okay. Um, I was still in drama school. So I did a, a French drama school called Le Cours Florent, which was a preparation for me to go to Lambda mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, and I started getting my first jobs. And um, I stopped Lambda before finishing it. And uh, when I made the decision, I was like, oh, what do I do? Because some drama school don't allow you to work at the same time. And I was like, career. well, in the end, I'm doing, I'm, work, <laughs> I'm doing this drama school because I want to work. Ultimately, mm -hmm. this is, I want to work. How did you get to work, start working? You know, what was the process of you becoming a working actress? Oh, well, it just happened. It really, like it was, again, it's funny because it's just seizing opportunities. Mm. Um, and... It's making choices and um, yeah, I was in drama school and the casting director of the drama school offered, like, uh, introduced me to a director and I accepted the part. It was for my very first film called Mary, Queen of Scots. That was your first film? It was my very first film in um, <sighs> oof, 2010 or no, 2011. Wow. 2011. Yeah, that's quite a jump um, from not being in a movie to a full big budget feature, feature. i mean yeah. it was a proper we're not talking about the same one though it's okay not, it's not the one that was uh broadcasted a couple of years ago it was it came out in 2013 okay. it was by thomas imbach okay yeah, yeah, okay yeah. yeah but it was the same story life of mary stewart uh, I, I played Mary Fleming. Okay, amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and then from then on, I guess people saw you and... People saw me. I got an agent in Paris first. And um, and then and I started working. I worked in a beautiful Italian film called Bianca come la terrosa come il sangue. It was translated in English as um, white as milk, red as blood. Oof. And it's a wonderful story about um, a young, a teenager who suffers from leukemia. And because she doesn't have any brothers or sister to save her, yep. she's preparing herself to die. So it was, it was, uh, it was full on for one of my first production, Gosh. but wonderful. And it, you had to speak Italian. I had to speak Italian. It's not that complicated from French to learn Italian, but I had to. It was funny. Uh, you are a linguist then, because that's. <laughs> I mean, how many languages do you speak? My three strong languages are English, French, and Polish because my mother is Polish. Okay. My dad is French. Um, and my Polish family emigrated everywhere during the war, after the war, mm -hmm. Second World War. Um, so my great uncle, with whom I have a close relationship with, lived in London. He worked for the BBC in London oh. uh, in, in, a in a political, he's a political journalist. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I have some family in Sweden, in America, so, yeah. So, in terms of identity, what, what, do you, do you, I mean, many people don't have a, they don't self-identify anymore, but is there a culture you say you identify most strongly to? I'd say I spend most of my life in France, mm -hmm. many years in London. I spent uh, seven years in London and grew up between Paris and London, but I would identify as a French okay. French actress, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. An in, yeah, an international French actress. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, many people have seen you in some pretty, you know, um, big budget uh, 
films and TV shows. Um, we spoke just just a little earlier about your love of theatre as well. What part of um, the broad range of being an actor do you enjoy the most? Is, is it is it you know just always working or um, small, meaningful, independent films, or the fifty million dollar sort of big budget uh, uh, movies that you've also been in? I mean, is there a specific preference with you? Um, I like the balance of it all. Okay, I've had the I've, I was lucky enough to be working on you know big budget films and uh, as well as very independent production Mm -hmm. um, French Italian um, and theatre as well and I think I mean my first love was for theatre because it was that love of being on stage and having that close relationship yeah. from with the, the audience yeah that's from clear from the puppets yes <laughs> um, and um, um, but what I like in an independent production is the freedom that you can have and you have a I have a more intimate relationship with the director you know and we create together especially nowadays where I'm a bit more involved in the creation of the film Um, that's what I like but it's fun to shoot million dollars uh, blockbusters Mm. or or big TV shows because you have access to first of all some of the stunt work is really fun fun to do and you have access to it's for me it's a sort of uh it's like roller coasters and, and it's like a, a, a fair, you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of work. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I've just photographed you literally minutes ago. And um, from my point of view, I can imagine how you work as an actress because you are, um, from a photographer's point of view, you have um, a lot of um, nuance in how the lens sees you. Um, so when I was directing you, I could pull there was a lot of bandwidth of what I could pull out of you. Um, and I'm not sure um, in certain big budget films that they would, they would necessarily see that because there's just too much going on. There's, um, yeah, um, there's a lot going on. You're, I mean, you're, you have less freedom because mm-hmm. even the director cannot do everything he wants because yep. usually production, the production side ha- has a lot more input yep, and a lot is, more say. Uh, director's um, nightmare. Yeah, it can be. But it's a different kind of fun. And I, you know, I just, for me, it's set, like being on stage or being on set is home. So I just, um, I I think it's also a a life process, but I'm just present. I'm here. Has there been a crazy moment where you're like, God, how did I end up here? Whether it's on, you know, a TV show or movie, like WTF, wow. Like, have you had that memory like, uh, Gaia, this is you. You're doing this many times, oh, really? <laughs> many times. Um, but lately, um, actually, my last film, the one that I I shot a film between October and January, mm-hmm. a sci-fi film called Meander, mm-hmm. and I ended up being the lead part with not many partners. Like it was, it was me throughout the whole film and um every day it would be a different um uh 
different obstacles, different things. So I would arrive on set and I would have different stunts, like stu- like unprepared stunts. Right. I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do and this? Like, done this? No, first of all, it was the first time that I was carrying the film from mm. A to Z. Yep. Um, and luckily the director was fantastic and we were working together throughout the whole shoot. But, you know, there was there was a lot of, how you call it? It's like, it's not even stunts. It's like, I'm my character is stuck in a tube. Right. It has to so get out f- of it. Physical acting as well. Really physical. But I what I loved is that it has different levels of reading and different layers. You, you can see it as like, okay, it's a scary, a little bit scary film. Yep. It's a sci-fi. But it's also, for me, a spiritual film because what is the meaning of this tube, you know? It's, it's it, interesting because listening to, I mean, that role, there is nowhere to hide. And that leads me to a question we ask a lot on this podcast um, about um, um, fear. Um, imposter syndrome I call it something I battle with all the time you know you're talking about a role where it's 99% of it is you Mm -hmm. right there would be no movie without you doing your role now I couldn't even pee you couldn't even pee no literally because you know (laughs) we had I had like it was one hour of lunch which means 45 minutes because you have to do like Uh, you know like the adjustments you know with the hair and makeup uh, retouches and but during these 45 minutes I would have to sometimes talk to investors or people visiting the set because I was the only actor you, yeah. you, you couldn't share the work yeah. and it was full on days and then shortly shower sleep you're back on set yeah. um, but it is the beauty of it is that you are the character throughout the whole shoot. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. I mean, there are rumors about um, I think in the early Batman suits that the the the, the leading men had to wear adult nappies, um, and that's obviously not what you think of when you think of the no. you know these. Oh, sets are really not glamorous. Oh my God, you know, on Vikings, you you under the rain most of the time 90% of mm-hmm. the time yeah we're like we're like uh, we have snored you know we're like <laughs> we're on boats hiding from the rain yeah, yeah. covered in mud covered in blood like fake blood, fake blood yeah. that is like sticking on your hand and you're eating your sandwich you know for the lunch break with like sticky blood and mud and everything on your hands and you you just realize the luxury of being clean yeah you know, and those are long shoots as well. Yeah. Um, so on that imposter syndrome thing, because I really want I want people to hear your 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 view on it. When you are having self doubt mm. about something that is very challenging, what do you, um, Guy Vice, draw upon to to lift you into a place of self belief? Well, that again is a lifelong process Mm -hmm. and work and three years ago I discovered meditation Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about meditation because it actually works and you have all sorts all sorts of meditation you don't have to necessarily sit for 30 minutes in a corner it can just be like closing your eyes you're on set you're you know you're always waiting for something to happen for the lights to be fixed Mm -hmm. for the camera to be ready sound and you're always waiting for something so just first of all you know don't when I started I was I wanted to be nice with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I was scared that people would think I'm not nice. Yeah, so, so I would, you know, make everyone happy. And get, yeah, I would make everyone happy. I would engage. And sometimes you cannot engage with everybody. You just close your eyes. Don't be scared to be ridiculous. You know, it's also that fear of like, oh, if I close my eyes or if I do something weird, you know, like they would think, no. Mm-hmm. So this has disappeared completely. Mm-hmm. You're in front of everybody. On set, you're always in front of everybody. You close your eyes. You think about 
everything you've created for your character and this is when hard work or just work comes into play like pre- if you've prepared yeah. if you prepare yeah if you know who your character is everything can happen you can forget your lines something can fall you know on the set an actor can fuck up something anything can happen right. you are your character so it might not be the exact lines it, it might be some improvisation yeah. but you are the character the so exactly yeah. and it might be a beautiful accident that will make the film yeah. you know it happened many times so just when you have this fear maybe a fear of a scene it happened to me on a project that i shot this summer there was one scene for some reason that scared me because i had to be particularly powerful mm-hmm. and play you know playful and powerful i had to play like a lot of different things and it was a whole night of shoot and for some reason that particular scene scared me mm-hmm. and you just close your eyes and you breathe yeah. and remember who your char- and just be- become your character and then you're just like anything can happen it doesn't matter yeah. it's again it's being present present preparation and hard work yeah the, the boring stuff a lot of people in this insta gratification oh, age it's my don't, favorite don't work always, yeah it's, it's my favorite work because well i've had the chance to um work on a lot of Uh, historical shows yeah. so then you read so much and you you read you analyze your character you have so much material to work on mm-hmm. and then you you put a little bit of you like yeah. no great advice really really good advice and i think that leads us very nicely into your choices and in, in in song and film so let's 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 switch it up actually and and start i was going to do the songs but let's start with the films okay um you know the two uh films uh, or scenes in films that have had a somewhat profound effect on your your life journey so one film that really marked me uh, is called live and become mm. and it's a french french israeli production okay um and it's set in uh, 1984 um during the exode of Jewish Ethiopian to Israel and by the way you just saying that a lot of people didn't know don't know that there are Jewish Ethiopians yeah they it's are not, it's not an obvious thing to mm. many people interesting yeah there's a lot of Ethiopians living now in Israel as mm-hmm. well um and they were in danger in Ethiopia at the time and they were not allowed to leave Ethiopia so the Mossad uh, organized a secret operation to um so they went f- from Ethiopia to Sudan mm-hmm. to like camps where there were Jews Christians and Muslims you Living know all together, yeah. yeah yeah all in refugee camps organized by the Red Cross I don't want to say anything stupid but Red Cross for sure mm-hmm. um you know and probably other associations but i don't want to make any mistakes mm-hmm. um and th- and and the mossad would take the jews and bring them to israel mm. um and the film is about this little christian boy and his mom sees a car you know um israeli cars coming and she tells him 
it's this beautiful there are two scenes I mean it was really hard for me to choose scenes from yep, this film that sure. were more touching than others because this film it's, it's no the way you speak about it uh, I'm very excited I'd never heard of it wow which is, which is uh, exciting for me it's a lesson of humanity also it's it's also something that comes back because nowadays it's like it, with, the, with the whole migrant crisis yep. and everything that is happening it's like Again, something that is happening again and again and again. So I would really recommend people to see this film, you yeah. know, to to really just experience the, the, this the humanity in it. And so this little Christian boy, like his mom, sees the uh, Mossad cars coming, and she grabs him, and she goes like, "Go, go, go, live and become." And you have that recurring sentence throughout mm. the film, go, live, live and, and become. become. In French, it's va, vie et deviens. Mm -hmm. And it gives me chills. Yep, like I this, have goosebumps as you speak. This scene is utterly beautiful. And you know what? I, from what I remember, there are not many dialogues. Yes, there are, of course, characters talking, mm -hmm. lots of things happening, but the most beautif beautiful scenes of this film, it's just looks mm -hmm. and the way it's filmed and the mother. So he's really sad. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to leave his mom. Yeah. And she she rips uh, the Christian cross, just like, yeah. you know, pretend, pr pretend, pretend you're Jewish. Jewish. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes... And, you know, he, he stands in line to get in the cars and he holds the hand of a, a Jewish mother who lost, who just lost her son in the morning. That's why, you know, the mother. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he gets in the car and he will, you know, he will join this woman to Israel. And then it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the whole film is about him going, leaving and living, sorry, and becoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to spoil yeah, the yeah. film. No, because you've, that's one hell of an introduction. That's wow. just, yeah, and it's just how the movie starts. <laughs> and uh, once, one other scene that... In the same film. In the same yeah. film that will... I will always have the, images, the image um, in, my, in my mind is when this boy is in a um, foyer. It's like this place where you welcome people. Mm -hmm. Um... And obviously, at the time in Israel, you had um, showers, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and access to water, mm -hmm. easy access to water. And he takes a shower and then he looks at the water coming, you know, like going in a hole, you know, like wasting, they're wasting mm -hmm. the shower, shower water. And this kid is wonderful. He looks at the water f falling from the shower head and going into the hole and they're not, they're wasting the water. And suddenly he has like a panic attack. He's like, no, no, like water, water. No, no, like you're wasting the water. You're wasting the water because it's like, yeah. it's like for him, it's, it's inconceivable, you know, easy access to water was never... Right something that he was and it's the simple things that get taken away from you oh that are God. the biggest tragedies of all yes yeah. and this scene is so short but striking yes, I, I am this weekend oh my god <laughs> yeah. i can't wait sunday evening okay so yeah this is one of the one of the one of my favorite and films. i love that the, one of the things i love about this podcast is so many we get a lot of emails from people saying oh my god i i'd never heard that song or that film or 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 even if they have seen it that oh my god i watched that i was so young i need to see it again so thank you for that first choice you're killing it yeah well <laughs> it's really beautiful um the second film 
I saw more recently. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. Um, it's by one of my favorite directors um, called Pavel Pavlikovsky. Mm-hmm. He directed Ida. Mm-hmm. And most recently he directed Cold War. Dude, have you seen no, it? No, I've seen Ida, which is a work of art. Yeah, beautiful. An absolute work. I have not seen Cold War though. Oh, you have not seen Cold War? No. So, Cold War, I failed to find one scene that was more striking than others. So you think it's a stronger film than Ida? <sighs> it's just... I, it's just it was resonating with me okay it was there was something about it because it's both set in Poland mm-hmm. and so in a lot Paris of cultural, so it's it's a big part of who you are then. yeah I think it was just resonating with me and I was for some reason the trailer's beautiful yeah just the trailer alone I was like whoa no and when I uh, I went to see it so I saw Ida and I was like of course you know it's Pavel, Pavel Pavlikovsky I will love it mm-hmm. it'll be beautiful um, but I thought, you know, oh, it's black and white. It's, you know, it might be a bit long. Nah, nah, nah. And I wasn't bored. No, no. One, one, not one bored. second. No. I was captivated. The aesthetic of it is stunning. And I could uh, identify with the main character. Uh, something, you know, like the fact that I spent a lot of time in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, I was visiting my family twice a year growing up. And... And this whole Polish culture and the mazurka and, you know, and the, the, the countryside landscape. And then she's coming to Paris, old Paris, you know, festive. Mm. And it's, yeah, it resonated with me. And it's, it's this general feel and this jazz. It's like, it's like listening to jazz. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, again, on my list, this is very interesting. Do, do you find that you, 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 those films with um, French, Polish actors, directors kind of find you or you, you, you just look out for them? Because uh, it's interesting, you're... I, I decided to go back. To, so I was living in London for a little while mm. and I decided to go back to Paris. And um, so in London, you have a theatre culture. Mm-hmm. You have amazing plays. Yep. And I would go to the theatre all the time. But you don't really have a cinema culture. Mm-hmm. You don't have that many cinemas. And... You have a lot of blockbusters, but it's hard. You have one chain of cinema that broadcast more artsy films, mm-hmm. but it's hard to find artsy film in London. In Paris, it's everywhere. That's, you literally That's have, a real gift. Huh? Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's like you have, I don't know how many cinemas per neighborhoods. Yeah. We call it arrondissement, district. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you have like 10 cinemas per district. Wow. It's everywhere. So it's very and easy. And is it all f- affordable for like a regular, it's not some... You have, now you have memberships okay. that are wonderful because you pay 20 euros a month and you can go, Watch it's unlimited. Fantastic. Oh yeah. my God. You have everything. Yeah, yeah. And also Paris is smaller. So if you don't have the film you want to see in the cinema nearest to you, which is like down from your house or two minute walk, you can walk 10 minutes and then it'll and have another cinema. I, mean, I didn't know that. I didn't really think of... That's an interesting thing you said about about the f- French relationship with cinema. I didn't know it was that localized because mm. uh, certainly growing up in England, we did not have that. We would have an Odeon that you would yeah. go to to watch. I don't know Star Wars. Yeah, but you would really have to look for the independent. Um, you know, now you have Curzon doing something. And, yes. You know, but even Every Man is still quite. I was going to say yeah, Every Man. They, but yeah, but they, it's not curated to what I think you're talking about. Well, also what I love is the amount of foreign films in Paris. Mm. You've got Iranian films, um, 
you've got Indian films, yeah. Korean films, yeah. Japanese, Chinese. It's insane. The diversity is huge. And I love that I'm, we're one of the only countries mm-hmm. that have that diversity, I yeah. think. No, in, in cinema, cinemas, yes. I haven't yeah. been to many that do. Certainly America does not. No, <laughs> yeah. Which is why I was so happy about Parasite. We are talking about that yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning. So music. Tell me about music and what does music mean to you and what are your two songs that uh, you love more than all the others? So music was always... Um, <laughs> I have this word coming, my best friend. It was a companion. Mm-hmm. It was a road companion um, my whole life. My dad introduced me to all the big 70s band. Mm-hmm. Um, Any specific genre? Or? I mean, the Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. a lot. Wow, summertime. You know, we would... We would I, and it's funny because I was really, again, really, really young. Um, but I was like, can we put the Red Album? And the Red Album would, would be a Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club band. I didn't know what it was, but it was the Red Album. Super Tramp um, and c- crazy, you know, um, a lot of English bands, actually. Um, Led Zeppelin, I loved it. So I grew up, you know, I grew up listening to music and also my dad. But you grew up, just just so I'm clear, yeah. you grew up, see, your father curated and i use this word a lot i mean everything you've mentioned they're bloody good right so you grew up not listening to shit whether whether you realize it or not and that's so important um in the choices that you probably ended up making uh in later life because you you were fed really really talented yeah musician and well not not only music i think also i was lucky to grow up in a city like Paris and going really often to London and going really often to Warsaw Mm -hmm. because these three cities have a really strong art scene Mm -hmm. and um, I would go see ballets because I was doing ballets I was dancing Um, I would go to the opera because my mum loves opera but it's easy access when you live in Paris, when you live in London. Yeah. When you live in London, you have amazing things. But I have to say, it's too expensive. It's far too. I've, I've, I, I'm I've, so glad you say that. Yeah. It is. It is. I won't. Uh, you know, it's impossible. I have a, a brother who's in his early twenties. There's no way he can go to anything yeah. like the Royal Opera House. Yeah. Or, you know, even if they had get the special discounts, it's mm-hmm. really, really, really difficult. No, it's. I, 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 I was really excited when I moved to London. For, you know, for like all all the plays that were happening mm-hmm. here and and disillusioned when I lived here and and wasn't able to afford a hundred pound a play it's a madness. week. You know, how, if, how, who do, but who can't, can't afford that? You, I mean, it's crazy. You know, when you're when you're a starting actor, you know, trying to make it, you can't and you want to go to the theater every week, twice a week, three times a week. No, yeah, in Paris, it's a little bit more moderate, I have to say. Interesting. Thanks for um, that. Another observation, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you do have some support from the government as well. Okay. Um, anyways, <laughs> that subject closed. Yeah, I was... My parents were... They were... N- <laughs> They were introducing me to a broad range of things because my dad made me listen to very weird things as well. And I realize that now, like Japanese drums, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's crazy sounds and Iranian, um, uh, Iranian drums. I don't I don't know if you can call it, call them drums, but it's like it's in the family of drums. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of Indian music as well. And yeah, a lot of world music. And uh, 
drops in caves like crazy and it really inspired me because it's a pretty cool dad you have oh yeah but you really i know damn i did not have that that's very cool david ikes he has the same name as uh the writer Mm -hmm. um but david ikes is also it's a musician who works with uh uh how do you say like uh how do you it's not gregorian chants but it's like um harmonies in churches and stuff so like weird things so it was like a really broad education and religion like religiously as well like we're not a religious family because my mom is jewish my dad is a protestant Mm -hmm. i was raised in a catholic school um and i would go to hindu parties like puja parties Mm -hmm. and i was just you know my parents wanted me to be aware of everything everything and telling me it's important to be spiritual it's important to respect everybody and to be tolerant but you don't have to make a choice you don't have to commit to to one establishment i love that point of view i really do so it was the same with music music was just you know make your mind listen to everything make your mind so different kinds of music for different periods in my life Mm um and and also different, you know, like I always, when I work on a part, I will create a playlist to what, you know. For, for the whole shoot? Yeah, yeah, I would create it to build my character. Okay. It's like my character would listen to this and that. And, I like that, yeah. You know, and You're not alone. A few actors have told me that, that they, they have character playlists that they wouldn't actually don't listen to when they're out of character. Yeah, and when you listen to it sometimes, because now you can create it really easily on Spotify, yeah. like, you know, you know, all these platforms. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it just stays on, and then you listen to it again, and you're, you're the character. It just helps. You. It's a tool. Interesting. Yeah. It's the, it's a tool because let's say you're on a bad day, you know, you're you're going to set, you've had bad news, or you're just not yourself, yeah. or a short night, anything, and you have to play a very emotional scene or connect to something, and you're not you're not in there. You just not. It happens. Putting your earphones this is when just breath work and closing your eyes is not enough just putting your earphones and music brings you back yep. in it the it really play. does yeah. I agree mm-hmm. I agree so hit me with a song um, so I really like it was really hard to choose very 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 hard because I listened to so many genres mm-hmm. but the mini- meaningful ones um, for me are Jerusalem by Alpha Blondie. Mm. Have you yes. listened to this one? Yeah. Alpha Blondie is a funny character. My boyfriend worked with him. And I think this particular song he made me listen to, like I discovered it through him. Okay. Um, and it has just a very powerful and beautiful message. It's, you know, all the religions say ultimately the same thing and mm. let's just connect with each other and again it's a human message it's like uh it's like it's he told he called it jerusalem because it's one city that um connects so many connects the three biggest religion and the religions that were once working together you know um i read that it was so interesting it was during sufism sufism is um um, like a un dérivé, like a derived from mm-hmm. uh, Islam. Yep. Are they, are they not the ones that in Turkey with the whirling dervishes as well? 
Devish, yeah, yeah Devish, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And Rumi is a famous Rumi, yeah, Rumi oh, is a famous uh, Sufist. Bathe in his words. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. And <laughs> yeah. they were working with um, with Jews. With you know, they were yeah. working with Judah. Like uh, it was everything was connected. And Christians, like there were the the three main religions were working yeah, together. Definitely recognize each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, but really, like the main. Um, uh, imam and rabbis and priests were working together on, you know, making things better and on 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 discovering things. And I can't remember exactly the dates, the you know when it happened, but it was before the religion wars and everything. And I hope that I'm really hopeful, very optimist, and I really hope that one day, after all the mess we've created, that we'll come back to that. I uh, hope is literally my middle name. Um, and I'm with you there. Um, everyone has different views on religion, uh, but the, the 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 fact that you chose a song that kind of touches on religion to give a message of community yeah. uh, is something we can all take a lesson from today. So that's a really good choice. Really good choice. And again, no one has given any of your choices, which I like. <laughs> what's, the, what's the second one? And the second one... Um joins me whenever I need to recharge and I because living a fast life mm -hmm. nowadays can be a bit draining yep. um, and I like to give a lot because giving is receiving <laughs> but sometimes I lose myself in that and I end up being exhausted and being when you're really exhausted you're a bit lost yep. and a bit like you can't give anymore, you know, like yeah. in order to étancher la soif de quelqu'un, to like make someone not thirsty anymore, to give them water, mm -hmm. you need to be full yeah. with water, you yeah. know, like. I like that's well put. And it sounds far better in French than <laughs> in English, but still. Um, and so the song would be um, Tezeta by Mulatu Atsatke. I do not know this. I'm sure you do. It's funny because he has such a hard name to pronounce, but... Sorry, by who? Mulatu yeah. Atsatke. He's, um, he does Ethiopian jazz. It's funny, like, I really didn't plan on talking about, like, Ethiopian kids in the film and, and an Ethiopian um, jazz player. Uh, but how did you discover an Ethiopian jazz? You know what? I think I was... At a party in Tuscany. Um, You're painting a beautiful picture. Continue. <laughs> I was at a party okay. in Tuscany. <laughs> Come with me. And so I was invited in the house of Sting. As you do. As you do. Yes. Um, and because he, he rents, I think one of his daughter was involved uh, in a fashion brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, they organize parties or weddings, you know, in, in his house. He rents the house sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we were there. It's a beautiful, peaceful place. There's like a massive lying Buddha in his massive garden. Like mm. pff, really, you, I've never seen such a, and he's really tasteful. It's tastefully decorated. Yeah, I mean, the whole, uh, the whole vibe of the man is, I would expect. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I respect him immensely. Yeah. And uh, so I'm there and there's a DJ young DJ that I really admire and she's really engaged in her work for women and with women called Mia Moretti. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, Mia Murray, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah. only by reputation, of course. She's, yeah, she's a legend. Wow, she's wonderful. She's... And she played the song. And she played the song. She was she was setting an atmosphere. It was end of the afternoon and playing. And I was just like drawn to what she was playing. I was like, oh, my God. Did you, did you Shazam it? Or... Yeah, no, I did Shazam, <laughs> you Shazam it. it. Yeah. I do that as all the time. As simple as that, yeah. I'm hardcore Shazam. I don't <gasps> care. I'm like... Leaning up at speakers oh, yeah. in airports. Shamelessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you Shazam's uh, it. Instinct's you, Shazam. house. Yes. What a story. I, yeah. I mean, I could have asked her. I don't know if I was as close to her then that I am now. But yeah, and, and since then I've been, you know, listening to his music. And it I just got to say, that's the best answer ever. Uh, I'm like, so how, how did you come across the song? Well, I was in Sting's <laughs> house in Tuscany and Mia Moretti was playing the song. So I just ammed it. <laughs> Casual. I love <laughs> it. Brilliant. How, how's anyone going to outdo you? Whoa, it's crazy. I really didn't plot, didn't choose this song for that. It's crazy. And and yeah, he's, he take again, you close your eyes and it has funky, jazzy vibes and gentle vibes. Yeah. It's the opposite of aggressive it's like it's like caressing you it's this is my feeling and and it has a story behind it like whenever i close my eyes and listen to his songs and i i chose tezeta it's one of his most famous ones but i could have easily chosen another one and really like his work is gorgeous check it out this is great i had never and Mia Barelli plays that. I wouldn't have expected that even. Interesting. Yeah, she plays very diverse kind of music. Depends. She, you know, the best DJs um, know their crowd know and know crowd. where they are. Know where they are as well. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. Yeah. Um, there's some music that doesn't always work. That may work in your living room, but not always work on a... Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you have, if you're like with a, a crowd that wants to, that is a bit drunk, let's say, and wants to listen to songs from their childhood, mm-hmm. You know, you put songs from their childhood, you know? Yeah. Um, you cannot put artsy, weird things to a crowd that just wants to have fun, you know? Yeah. Like, no, no, you're right. Curation, yeah, again. curation. So, Gaia, I, I, I want to thank you for... There's a calming um, essence to how you tell stories, um, which I think is linked to your honesty um, as, a, as, a, as a human, as a person. And it's, it's made it a very... Um, unique conversation so thank you very much lots of um wisdom and also just some great choices that um i'm very much looking forward to um consuming both with my ears and eyes well i'm honored that you were my first podcast yes what a first one (laughs) jesus you should should be getting some kind of a emmy for this (laughs) well done thank you very much guy advice